0: Sego. I'm John Kane, and this is Let's Talk Native. So last week, state and county law enforcement attempted to pull over a vehicle they believed was driven by a wanted suspect. This attempt turned into a pursuit and at some point turned into a high-speed pursuit. The chase ended with a crash in the heart of the Cataraugus Territory of the Seneca Nation. A resident of the community was trying to go to the Seneca Nation Health Center when she and her passenger were struck by the vehicle evading the police. No one was seriously injured in the crash, but one of the vehicles caught fire and would be completely consumed by that fire. But this was not the end of the drama. The suspect exited his vehicle with at least a large knife and violently took his female passenger hostage with that knife to her throat. Police had swarmed the scene by now, but because of the potential for a firearm being in the possession of the suspect, a large section around the busiest part of Cataraugus was now in lockdown.
1: A very tense hostage standoff ends peacefully on the Cataraugus reservation tonight. An armed man took a woman hostage this afternoon after a fiery car crash on Route 438. New York State Police tell us this started as a high-speed chase between a state trooper and a man who is wanted in Chautauqua County. From there, it escalated, leading to an hours-long hostage standoff. Multiple law enforcement agencies spent hours talking down an armed man who had a woman held as hostage. We had a trooper who was in pursuit of an individual who was wanted by Chautauqua County on a burglary first warrant. The chase ended after the suspect slammed into another car that started on Fire. At that point, the suspect, who police have not yet identified, took a passenger from his car as a hostage, dragging her into a wooded area near Versailles Plank Road. So the situation was very tense for a long time. It took approximately three and a half hours from the start time of the accident until completion. Major James Hall says the suspect had a handgun and a knife. They called in multiple agencies, including the Erie County Sheriff's Office.
0: We actually rolled out some tactical resources, um, some SWAT members, some. snipers and um just to hold down the scene
1: just before 6 30 the suspect let the hostage go she is expected to be okay nearly an hour later police were able to take him into custody so we're very fortunate Uh, a lot of these situations you know we we try to come to a peaceful resolution and again utilizing resources from the sheriff's department as well as our agency uh, we were able to get the hostage released peacefully
0: the Santa Canadian fire department assisted with traffic diversion but were not permitted to extinguish the vehicle that was now billowing thick black smoke from the center of the community. Eventually, the suspect released his hostage and after more time surrendered himself to police. Now, the scorecard on this looks pretty good. No shots fired, no major injuries, no knife wounds. Just a smashed vehicle, a burnt vehicle, and a large area of burned pavement at the entrance to the Seneca Nation Health Facilities. But as I was watching this all play out, I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. Isn't anyone concerned that the police endangered the community? This wasn't just a potential danger. Two Seneca Territory residents were struck in their vehicle. They were innocent victims of these cowboys chasing their wanted man through Indian land. This whole thing started 30 miles away. In fact, it is rumored that the police made a conscious decision to use the main road through Cattaraugus for their intercept point. These high-speed chases are just another example of overt police aggression. How are these things supposed to end? They almost always end in a crash. This is why many places prohibit high-speed pursuits. This is why police agencies have changed their policies regarding high-speed chases. What was so special about this case that outside law enforcement could ignore public safety and ignore any distinction of this native community. I hope the individuals who were struck by this fugitive sue the state police for causing the accident. Incidents like this should be learned from. What happened and why? And what should happen going forward? What happened should be easy. Insist on a full report from the state police. When and where was the first call? Where did the pursuit begin? Was there a plan to intercept the assailant on the Seneca Nation Territory? And who, if anyone, was notified at the Seneca Nation? On top of that, the Seneca Nation should do its own separate investigation. These two reports should be compared, and a final report should be done using both investigations, citing the discrepancies and the agreements and corroborations. Why is a little more complicated? Clarity on what outside law enforcement may do on Native lands is a long, overdue, and very complicated conversation. But addressing a simple thing like high-speed pursuits is really quite simple. The fact is that the state, from township cops to county sheriffs and to state police, refuse to officially acknowledge the distinction of our people and our lands. And for the most part, we tolerate that refusal. But this is erasure. This kind of erasure creeps into every part of the relationship between Native peoples and their territories and the state. On everything from policy, legislation, court rulings, and public safety, the Seneca people have to get over the sense of relief that there was no serious injuries Consider what really happened and how much worse it could have been. All because some folks decided Seneca Nation territory could be used as the playing field for their system of law enforcement. Look, it's great that no one was seriously injured, but there was damage and there was harm. And it was worse than it could have and should have been. No one is defending the actions of this particular suspect or anyone being chased by police. And no one is suggesting that Native territories should be used by our own people or anyone as some sort of safe, lawless zone to escape to, to avoid a police pursuit. But let's really consider if this pursuit was handled well, and put this into perspective with the current national reckoning of police violence and the force and tactics used by them. This attempted arrest began 30 miles away from Seneca Territory. The aggressive pursuit did escalate the conflict, That escalation created an ever-increasing chance of a crash until one did finally occur. This chase came through the heart of this Seneca community. It flew by homes, businesses, and Seneca Nation facilities that are oftentimes the center of daily life for this community. The chase ended with what would become a fiery crash scene with a vehicle occupied by innocent residents of this community smashed into while attempting to pull into the driveway for the Seneca Nation's health services. One could argue that the escalation to a hostage situation may not have occurred had the crash not occurred. It is just luck that the crash did not cause any serious injury. And with an armed suspect and many armed cops on the scene, it's just luck that the hostage was not injured or that shots were not fired. But make no mistake, people were injured. Yes, there were the individuals struck in the car, but hundreds of community residents were affected, not just by the road closures, but by the whole scene. There were survivors of domestic violence who were triggered by the images of a man with a knife to the throat of his hostage. Orders were given to shelter in place from the Early Childhood Learning Center to the Nation Admin Buildings to the Oak Tree Residential Facility to the Health Center and Wellness Center past the Seneca Nation Fire and Rescue Department. Social media was all abuzz with videos and far too many calls for the assailant just to be shot and killed. The area associated with healing and health for a Seneca community was a trigger pull away from an even more violent scene. The ponds on either side of the road where the scene unfolded is where children fish and play. And this all occurred in the middle of the day. And if you don't think this could have gotten far worse, consider a death a few years ago in Aquasasne when a vehicle was struck due to a high-speed chase on Cornwall Island, where the innocent occupants died. An innocent pedestrian was struck and killed in Gunnawage because of a police chase. And one of the guys captured in one of the most iconic photos of the Oka-Gunnazodage crisis was killed in a crash at the end of a high-speed chase. I'm sure there must be many, many more horror stories. But these do not have to continue. The Seneca people have a right to demand that high-speed chases by police must be discontinued once entering Seneca land. All Native peoples could and should make this demand. There are many non-Native areas that prohibit this practice, and there are many police agencies that have rewritten their pursuit policies because of the dangers. Whether the state police that initiated this pursuit were following their own protocols is still a question. I would hate to think that the police used the Seneca community to push the bounds of their own protocols, but who knows? This is clearly one of the issues that is included in the national calls for police reform. It isn't about letting criminals get away, it's about public safety and true justice. We have seen police officers enraged after a chase or when their orders and commands are not obeyed. True de escalation isn't just about a static crime scene, it must be part of pursuits as well. Vehicles are not just potentially deadly weapons, they are dangerous even without intent to harm anyone. Regardless of who is behind the wheel, Too often we view issues like police reform as a need only for urban police forces. But for native peoples in our communities, some of that reform must come with acknowledgement that our communities are distinct and that we have some say on what occurs on our lands and in our communities. There should be specific protocols set if outside law enforcement are going to be allowed to enter native lands and perform certain aspects of their jobs. Use and brandishing of weapons, body cams, just what they are allowed to do, and who they must notify to do it should all be explicitly detailed. So there's no question, and it should be written in a clear agreement. This can be established without new laws or even a jurisdictional battle. It can be framed around the concept of mutual respect than the laws of only one party. Sure, there are many of us who wish the outside law enforcement were only allowed to pass through, if that. But that is a much bigger conversation than simply implementing basic public safety protocols. Let's hope this issue can be addressed responsibly so Keturagas or any other Native community doesn't have to join Akwesasne, Gunawaga, and Gunazadage with a high-speed chase fatality. On a final note, I have to believe that if outside law enforcement knows they cannot play a live version of Grand Theft Auto on Native lands, they will make a bigger effort to make those arrests before anyone enters our lands or come up with other strategies to make arrests against belligerents. We certainly don't need criminals who they are in hot pursuit of chased onto our communities and endangering our people. Let's learn from this incident, and let's try to make our community more safe. Thank you for checking out the show. As always, if you like what you hear, you can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com letstalknative. You can follow the show on Twitter at Let's Talk Native. You can also follow us on Instagram at Let's Talk Native TV. You can also join our Facebook group page. I am John Kane, and this is Let's Talk Native. Yahweh.